0: Hi. Can anyone hear me?
1: Yes. Hey, Yay. Casper.
0: Hi, Jack. How are you doing?
1: Good, good. Sorry, just sat down. Don't you worry. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> um, so thanks so much for making time, Jack. Like, I mean, I've watched YouTube videos with you in it, so I feel, I feel like I know <laughs> you a little bit. But uh, well, Yeah,
1: and we talked, I, I forgot how long ago it was, when yeah, we while talked back. for your, your research project,
0: right? That is, is that so true. Oh, my God, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more about what you do, because the Harry Potter Alliance, I should say, was a big inspiration for this podcast project. You know, I I, yeah, I looked at it and I was like, here is an organization that is engaging with a story and with a text and mobilizing people in real life around social justice work. And my biggest hope for this podcast project is that people take what we do together and from the text and, and live Better lives. You know, that's really how I think about it. So I'm so curious, how did you get involved with the HPA? What are the things that you love about it? Yeah, tell us about the HPA.
1: Well, so I got involved in the HPA seven years ago. I realized recently it's like a whole Hogwarts education. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I read Harry Potter when I was about nine years old back in nineteen ninety nine, and you know, fell in love immediately. And pretty soon afterwards, started finding like the fan sites online, and so I was always sort of you know this peripheral observer of the online fan community with a bit of fan fiction and certainly the podcasts and the Wizard Rock. I, I loved all of it, and you know, as we moved into more like 2007 2008 times I started getting really into YouTube like with the vlog brothers and Charlie McDonald and the five awesome girls and there was this time in early 2010 when the earthquake in Haiti had just happened and I saw all of these YouTubers I liked all these wizard rockers I liked and podcasters and young adult authors all came together to fundraise for relief supplies to be sent to Haiti. And I was like, wait, they all know each other? What? <laughs> <They> said, <laughs> I love all of them and, and they love each other and they're doing this amazing thing together and all of their communities are coming together as one. And I saw that it was being organized by an organization called the Harry Potter Alliance, which somehow I don't think I had really heard of before then. I don't know how I had missed it because I had been so uh, aware and involved of the community But I was so impressed by what they did, they ultimately raised over $120,000 and were able to send five cargo planes filled with relief supplies down to Haiti, which was just a phenomenal feat. And I was so impressed by that, I really wanted to get involved. So soon thereafter... There was a call put out by the HPA for video editors, volunteer video editors, which is a skill that I had. So I applied, I got the volunteer position, and I just, it sort of grew from there. I kept doing videos for them. One point we had sort of a collab channel going on the Harry Potter Alliance's YouTube channel, and I started doing more and more with their social media, and because I was doing YouTube, I started getting invited to speak places about the Harry Potter Alliance, and... A little bit after I graduated from college, I ended up starting to work for the Harry Potter Alliance full time as as my actual job, (laughs) which is very cool to have Harry Potter as your professional job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. And, And you have the most awesome title. Tell us your title.
1: My title right now is the Director of Wizard-Muggle Relations. Yeah, which makes me feel like I work for the Ministry of Magic, which is very cool.
0: <laughs> just don't let the uh, institution go evil. That's my one concern. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: I know. I Even as I said that, you know, having just like refreshed my memory on Prisoner of Azkaban, I was like, oh boy, Ministry of Magic is actually not great. <laughs> I don't know if I actually want to work for the Ministry of Magic. So you, you told us about that story with Haiti and the HBA has done so many
0: different campaigns and, mm-hmm. and won some real campaign victories as well. What are some of the highlights of the projects you've, you've done together?
1: Oh, man. So, yeah, we have done so much because our model is just using Harry Potter and the power of story and other pop culture to mobilize fans towards social action, using that intrinsic enthusiasm and creativity and community organizing power of fans to to make change in our real world. And so using that model, we're able to work across a, a broad spectrum of issues. So in the 12 years we've been around, we've done everything from funding the protection of civilians in Darfur and Burma to phone banking for marriage equality back when we had to do that in the U.S., Um, Mm. Thankfully, we don't anymore, although God, who knows with this administration, Mm. Uh, we, you know, registered first time voters. We have run campaigns on immigration reform and economic inequality and mental health, all sorts of things. But some of our our biggest victories have been, well, my favorite one from recent years was after a very long, hard fought campaign with Warner Brothers, we actually got all Harry Potter chocolate that they make around the world to be ethically sourced. Wow. That's amazing. It was very, very cool. We got the, it was, like I said, it was a many year campaign, had lots of different uh, incarnations. And when we finally got that letter from WB, it was right before Christmas and it was the best Christmas present ever (laughs) to just see
0: that. That's incredible. And so this is, you know, people at school, in high school, around the country, people who love the stories, getting together in chapters, like doing online actions together, phone banking, you said. So it really mm-hmm. feels like there's this network of people inspired by the story who want to, you know, I have some of your t-shirts, Jack, and uh, I mean, not your,
1: not your personal t-shirts, the HPA well, t-shirts. I d- <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I did help design the HPA <laughs> ones. So still, yeah, thank you. Well, and it's it's not just the country, it's around the world where wow, uh, we've yeah. got over 200 organized chapters and thirty. Nations on all of the inhabitable contents. The penguins <laughs> in Antarctica have not made a chapter yet, but we're we're lobbying to get one. That's awesome. And I
0: you know I love those shirts. I, you know, there's one which says we are book eight. You know, I think that idea yes. of Dumbledore's army out in the world. And there's another one like the weapon we have is love, right? And I I, mm-hmm. I just think sometimes people look at the Harry Potter books as a nice escapist kind of literature, and sometimes it is that, you know, if you want to just take a break from, from reality. But I think really they're an invitation into a deeper engagement engagement with reality because it's about taking mm-hmm. the values and the courage and the friendship from those pages into our own lives and doing what we see these characters do on the page in the real world
1: Gosh, you know what? It's so true. And I, you know, of course, I talk about that all the time with the Harry Potter Alliance, and I think about it all the time in our campaigns. But even just, you know, in my own life recently, I've been reading a lot more over the past year or so, um, mm. and really pushing myself to read more diversely and spending a lot of time reading. And I do so much that I often have to really prioritize my time. And the other day, I was thinking, you know, do I really need to be spending so much time reading and trying to hit all these reading goals I have for myself when really I need to be doing this work and that mm. job? And then I I realized, like, I was reading Miss Marvel. It was Mm. a fantastic new comic book series with a teenage Muslim superhero. And she was, I think she was meeting with uh, Wolverine. And Wolverine was teaching her a lesson about how, it's a a lesson from Dumbledore, really, about having to do what is right, even Mm. if it's not what's easy. Mm. And I had had a sort of conflict in my life that I was really having some stress dreams about and trying to figure out how to resolve. And honestly, it was reading that issue Hmm. where she and Wolverine just kept talking about that and kept saying, that's what it means to be a hero, is doing the right thing, Hmm. that it finally pushed me to sort of resolve that conflict and and send out an apology, even though it wasn't what I wanted to do and it was really hard. Hmm. And, you know, I realized it's taking the time to reflect through fiction through storytelling that really makes us better people and helps us with those conflicts in our lives. So it is very worthwhile to spend that time reading and, and getting lost or, or as you said, just sort of going deeper into your own life through these pieces of literature.
0: Right, exactly. We had an episode on rumors and we had a couple of people write in who were so self-reflective and, and so generous in, in sharing their experience of maybe they had Shared a rumor or they had started a rumor and they realized that through engaging with this text, through this theme, that what was really going on was that they were jealous or they were angry. And this was a way of kind of attacking someone. And really what Mm -hmm. they needed to do was to find a much more productive way to engage in a a difficult conversation. So, yeah, I I see that kind of evidence all the time. Sadly, I don't yet always see evidence in my own life of becoming a better person, but we're trying, (laughs) right, Jack? We're trying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're trying. We're trying.
0: So tell me about some the campaigns that you're running now, because I know a, a ton of our listeners will be excited to join.
1: Yes, absolutely. So right now is one of our favorite times of the year. Every spring, we do our annual literacy campaign called Accio Books. Over the years, we have donated and collected over 300,000 books around the world. Wow. So our, our chapters and our individual members all collect books in their local communities, and they'll donate them to places in their communities that need books, or they have the option to send them to our main recipient that we do every year. Uh, so we'll choose one main recipient, and in the past, it has been Rwanda, it's been the Mississippi Delta, it's been the Netherlands, England, Kansas, Detroit. We actually built a library and a charter school in Brooklyn. This year, it is going to Words Alive in San Diego. They are a center that provides books for the community out there. And the past couple of years, we've also worked not just donating books, but working on literacy and advocacy in like public libraries and with net neutrality. And this year, I think we're focusing quite a bit in, in some small ways on media literacy because that's very mm. resonant right now. So one thing that we always do as a part of Accio Books because it happens to fall in this time is at the beginning of May every year is National Library Legislative Day, which is a holiday run by the American Library Association in which librarians actually go to Washington and they talk to all of their legislators, um, they have meetings with them all day uh, about all of the you know, important issues around literacy in our nation, which again, tend to revolve around net neutrality and access to the internet and funding for public libraries, which is especially important right now. I think another thing the day that we're recording this uh, came up about more, more funding to public li- libraries being slashed. So these issues are super important right now, and that's part of what we're doing in addition to... Collecting books all around the world, we are also advocating in any way we can and spreading awareness about the importance of funding for literacy. Jack, one of the things that I think about a lot
0: is, um, you know, I've I've been incredibly privileged in so many ways, but the fact that I'm gay meant that, you know, I had an experience, especially in my early teens, that felt very isolating, and you know, that that kind of memory of that experience of being an outsider, like out of the mainstream, I mm-hmm. think has really shaped. I hope my empathy in situations where maybe I'm in the mainstream, and someone else is at the margin. And I'm curious, as you were on this journey, and coming out as trans a couple years ago, and that's something, you know, we do every day in in different ways. Like, what (laughs) have you what have you learned from that whole experience? Like, are there unexpected gifts that have been part of this, no doubt, sometimes very difficult experience?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think one thing is that for trans people, we all have such a strong sense of who we are because we had to do so much introspection with our identities and figuring out who we are. And I think that also gives us a a gift of being able to be very perceptive to other people Hmm. and to know that there's so much that could be going on that you don't see. That's one thing I think a lot about when trying to make spaces safe for other people is it's not just about making a space safe for things that you know about someone, but Mm -hmm. having to sort of be on the offense of you don't know what might be in someone's past, you know, don't know what they might be battling on the inside. So I think that has been a huge blessing, you know, I. I'm one of those people that I often think of like, you know, is there a reason for everything? Like, why you know, why did I have to be trans? Why couldn't I have just been born like a cis male or been born fine being female? Like, and sometimes I think, well, man, if I had just been born like a cisgender male, I think I'd probably be a huge jerk because <laughs> I think I've learned so many ways about, uh, you know, just how to be kind to everyone. and And, you know, by having a little less privilege and all of those sorts of things, like, I think it's probably made me a better person than I would have been over all. Yeah, I feel the same way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not about you, but about me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, we we often have uh, conversations about, you know, all sorts of different shapes of oppression and justice within the podcast. And, you know, as many of us who aren't trans think about how we can support friends, family members, other folks who are trans, like, what are some of the ways that allies in your life have shown up that have, have meant a lot to you? What might you suggest to listeners who aren't trans, who want to show up in a, in a supporting way?
1: Well, I think being there and listening and and not judging and also taking the time to learn on your own. Mm. So the, the people in your life don't always have to be the educators. Uh, I think it's really wonderful when there is someone in your life that you can ask questions to, but remember that that's not their job and that you know, we wish that people understood what being trans was as much as they understand what being gay is. Obviously, there's still a lot of stereotypes and misconceptions out there. But right. you know, I'm I'm sure you didn't have to provide like a whole <laughs> glossary to people when you came out, <laughs> um, which I did. Right. Uh, and, you know, some of the things that people have done that have meant a lot to me is when, you know, before I was out, when they were able to both keep my secret, but respect my gender and recognize it. When we were alone together or in private spaces, that meant so much more than I could ever say. And that's not something that I would ever expect from anyone because that, you know, takes a lot of mental gymnastics and energy. But when you are able to do that for someone, it means a heck of a lot.
0: Yeah, I always think of, you know, if we can send people to the moon, we can change pronouns
1: you know <laughs> i know right oh well you know the, i i noticed the other day so there's um iotelit Wright is an amazing photographer author host on mtv's suspect and um he changed his pronouns sometime in the past year and i went to his wikipedia page recently and it still had the incorrect pronouns mm-hmm. and i was like man you go to wikipedia like 0. 0.5 seconds after someone dies and the date has been updated or things like that right. but like the pronouns couldn't be updated right well, it's a little wild.
0: Um, Awesome. Jack, thank you so much for for joining us. It's really been such a pleasure. and, And I'm excited about how we can work together with the HPA in the future. So thanks for joining us. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yay.